She'd been listening to what was happening on the radio, and again I thought, how can I get in that box? How can I get in there? I've got to be in there because I want my grandmother to pay attention to what I'm saying. But right now, my whole objective basically is to get people in our community, mm -hmm. in the expat community, mm -hmm. to be known. We see each other all the time. Right. I didn't know your first name I didn't, I, until today. Yeah. But how long have we known each other? I know. It's been, it's, it's been it's since been 2005. Easily. Easily, right? And, see, and that's what I'm saying. I've known of you longer than that. Mm -hmm. But just knowing you and seeing you, and you did an interview with me. Right. It was, you, you were the first with podcasts. That's right. Wow. Yeah, going back to 2005. That's right, before people even knew what it was. Yeah, well, people started knowing because I was seeing people with white earphones. You know, when you see the white earphones, you know, that's, that's an Apple machine, right? There you go. And so I thought, well, those people have something in their ear. I have to be in the medium that goes into those white earphones. I need to be, how do I get into that? Wow. And I, I was talking with a friend. <clears throat> At the time, his name um, was Wes, mm -hmm. and he was general manager of American Airlines at that time. And he said, uh, why don't we do something? You know, you're here in Tokyo now, you, you need to do a show. I said, I want to sponsor your show. That's, what, that's how you came up with the Kamisami Khan? No, that's how I came up with the MetPod. You had MetPod at first? MetPod, Kamisami Khan goes way back. Okay. Goes back to my days in Hawaii. Well, before we get into that, yeah. thank you for coming to the show. Thank I want to thank you for getting up early in the morning and coming here on a moment's notice. I mean, fan, I mean, it really wasn't that much of a moment, but you decided to come right away, and that makes me feel so happy. Well, you're the man. <laughs> you're the main man. <laughs> the man. Actually, I, I have to say thanks thank to you, you because you appeared in my podcast. The f that's right. That was the first time. one I ever did. That's right. But that was just my voice. Yeah, that was. A, we were only doing voice. We were only doing voice in those days. And you've always had this deep, res, you know, resonating voice. Did that start from birth? Well, oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> from birth, it was more like. <laughs> okay. But my dad had a really good voice, Did and uh, I think I got this from him. And as we record this, it's his birthday tomorrow. Oh, well, happy birthday to day. your father! Thank you, my father my, in heaven. And my brother's birthday is Valentine. My oh. older brother's birthday is Valentine's Day. So we, we share a little something. We share something, something in common. Yeah, Can yeah. you believe this? Your father, my older brother. But we so, share more than that. I'm sure. Where were you born? I was born in Hamilton, Ohio. Okay, and how long did you live there? Uh, until I got drafted when the Vietnam War came. We're probably around the same age. I, then, I'm, I, sure. no, I, I, I'm kind of guessing. I think my hair is a little whiter yeah, or grayer than yours. Mine's just shorter than yours. yours you've, gotten it, you've, gotten, you've done it right. It's all the, that's all naturally like that? You didn't dye any of it? I, I well, Okay, <laughs> yours, okay. All right, you hesitated. Uh, okay. uh, my hairdresser <laughs> takes care of me. You right, know, I, that, that's how that works. You have siblings? Yep. I have a brother and a sister. A brother in near Cincinnati. Okay. And a sister in Nebraska. Are you the first child? Uh, yeah, first child. So you led the whole campaign? Yeah. All right. So you lived there till you were drafted. What age, how old were you when you got? Because I got drafted too. Oh, really? Vietnam, yes. How yeah. old were you? Uh, right during the Tet Offensive. Um, <clears throat> it was 1969. 
Oh, I was drafted. So you're a little bit older than me because I was drafted in 70. Oh, okay. And went in, well, went in 71. We were very close. Yeah. You remember when they were pulling the uh, numbers out of the barrel? I was number six. I was number seven. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Are you serious? I swear to God. Well, but I'm, and you in a big city. I, w I was no, so big, in the university at university. that time. I was in, I was in college. Yeah, okay. I was in college. They pulled six. I knew I was going to go in. Yeah. So I went to the recruiting office. Saw all the branches. Everybody wanted me except for this one guy who looked like he was in a suit. Mm -hmm. The Air Force. Mm -hmm. So I said, I want to join this branch. He oh. said, get in line. Everybody's trying to get in the Air Force because you had to test to get in. Right. There were about 25 of us. Two of us got in. Well, my story is that um, on the day that I was supposed to go to the post office, you know, you're supposed to show up at the post office and you go through... Whatever physical there. You're in a small town? Oh, uh, this is Cincinnati. Cincinnati, but where? Cincinnati. Oh, I forgot the area. Well, okay. Uh, but was it was it a, it wasn't right in the big city? Portion, yeah, just on the outskirts of okay, the big city. Okay. And I was supposed to go, and uh, I thought, you know, I really, I was 19 years old, a hippie. I thought I really want to get messed up before I go because I, I don't want to pass the physical test, right? So that night, I, I drank some tequila. It's, it was a long time ago. And then when I woke up in the morning, I drank some, um, oh, I forgot what it was, but it makes, it helps you clean out your system. Okay, right. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I so I, I thought, I'm totally messed up now. I'm ready to go downtown. I'm ready to go to the post office. I'm ready to take that physical exam because they're going to look at me and say, you are a mess. You're a wreck. Get out of here. Open the door. There was like a foot and a half of snow on the ground. No cars on the street. Nothing is moving. Turned on the radio and they said the post office is closed. The schools are closed. Everything was closed. So there I was, a complete mess. And everything was closed. It opened up the next day and I thought, should I do that again? No. No. I'm not going to do that again. So I went. I got drafted got into a small plane. They flew me to a place called Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, where I had basic training. You were in the Army? Yeah, Army. Okay. Yeah. I had no, I, I didn't know what was going on. I hear you. You know, I was just this young guy and I was like, what? I'm number seven? I have to go to the post office? I'm drafted? I'm in a plane going where? And of course, you know, you get to the place where they give you the haircut. And he says, how do you want it cut? I said, well, a little extra on the sides. He said, sure. Bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> I'm sure they have fun with they that. They do, they yeah. do. They do, they do. So let me ask, so when you went in, prior to doing that, going through school, what was school like for you? Like, did you like sports or were you more academic? More academic and uh, sports. Uh, I, was, I was in broadcasting. You know, I was going to the Miami University, and I was studying broadcasting. Well, what about in elementary? When did that? I'm trying to get to the base of it. Oh, the base. What did your father do? My father was a pipe fitter. Okay. It had nothing to do did with. Did your radio. mother work, or was she? My mother worked in a camera department in okay. in a department store. Okay. I forgot the name. Did of you it. do well in school? Like, were you getting good grades and stuff? Oh like no, that? I wasn't getting good grades. No. In elementary school, you didn't. Mm, no, not really. Junior high school. Oh. Uh, not really, but in junior high school, I was on the trampoline team. I, I did, I did they excel. Had trampoline. Yeah, I was a, I was a jumper, so and I was on the diving team also. They, that, they go to hand in hand, right? Yeah. Is that right? So, what was one of your hardest dives? 
Hardest Dives was uh, what they called a Pepsi Cola. What, is, what was it? Pepsi, you remember the Pepsi remember bottle has kind of the twist to it. Right. So it would be one and a half with a half twist. Straight in. Straight in. Whoa. Yeah. One and a half. I could nail that one. And you'd be this far from the board. Or from, did you buy, dive off a board or platform? Uh, oh, no, a board. A board. Yeah. Five meters? Um, or three? Uh, three meters. Three meters. Yeah. Okay. Look at so, you. I was a diver. That's what you did. <clears throat> and so what did you do with your extra time, like in high school? Did you get into broadcasting then? Yeah. I was in, I, actually I started this whole thing from my bedroom when I, when I was about uh, four, 13 or 14 years old. I was interested in broadcasting and why? Well, another case where I used to see my grandmother when she would babysit for me. She had a big floor model radio. I mean, from the floor up to, the, it was all radio and speakers, I know, right? I know, you remember yeah, those yeah. old I remember things. those, yeah. Philco, I think it was a Philco, and it, right, right. you know you could get shortwave on right, it and right, everything. Right. And I would see how she'd listen to that. You know, she'd cock her head and she'd she'd be listening to what was happening on the radio. And again, I thought, how can I get in that box? How can I get in there? I've got to be in there because I want my grandmother to pay attention to what I'm saying. Not that. She wasn't paying attention, but I just realized that she really loved what was coming out of that box. And my dad, too, he was a big radio listener. And, you know, we would go for long rides, and I realized that's where I want to be. And so uh, I built my own radio station, my first station. I became a ham operator. I learned how to do the Morse code. Do, 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 which right. is CQ. Right. I can still do it. Okay. Uh, but uh, then. That's where your interest led you. You were just yeah. really into that. I was what into that. What about the voice? The voice, um, I, as I said, it, I got it from my dad. Okay. So I have to say thanks to him. So they didn't think it was special when your grandmother listened to you, tried to do your stuff on the radio, or did she? Um, I, she couldn't hear my station. She, she lived too okay. far away. Okay. Okay. But I, I had a. I became a ham radio operator, mm -hmm. and I had a wire recorder mm -hmm. in my bedroom. Uh, do you know what a wire recorder is? A wire recorder. No. Pre-tape recorder. It was sold by Sears, and it was had a radio built into it, and it had a microphone. And again, it was a big box, boxy thing. Okay. And uh, you recorded on wire that was about the thickness of a hair. You recorded on wire. Yeah, you recorded, but this is pre-tape recording. Was it expensive to buy? Oh gosh, I couldn't say. Because your father bought it for yeah, you. Yeah, my father bought it. He bought it for himself, and then he just put it in my bedroom because there was no other place to put it. And I thought, how can I use this? What was he doing with it? He maybe he was re recording us, the kids, and you know, just Remember, having right, fun. Yeah. 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 So he thought that was a new technology in those right, days, right, right. you know. So. <clears throat> I would record, I, would, I had a paper route in those days, 14, 14 years old, right? And uh, I would record my radio show prior to going out to delivering my newspapers. And I had a little toy printing press. And I printed these things saying, listen to Bob Zix on my, his radio station. At, uh, I was 1100 on the dial. And I stuffed those into all my newspapers so my customers could listen to my radio show. Did it work? Oh, yeah, it worked. And uh, customers would say, well, I heard you on the radio the other day. Yep. What would you talk about? Oh, I'd play music. Uh, you know, I was playing music of 1964, 65, so it would be 
anything from the Shirelles to James Brown, the Beatles. I was playing all of that stuff. And I was getting the music from another radio station in Dayton, Ohio that was on FM. So the music was really clear. So I'd record all the music onto the wire recorder and then I would tape my, record my voice in the spaces between. So, yeah. So you spend all day doing this, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, th throughout the day, I mean, after school I'd, or the night before, I'd put a show together and have it ready for when I'm delivering my papers. It took about an hour to deliver the papers. And yeah, I had my, my show blasting out, listening to it on my little uh, transistor radio. That's with right, right, from one, Japan. Yeah, exactly. In the leather case. Exactly. Had to have the, the antenna leather case. Antenna right, yeah. the leather case, yes. And, and, and the earphone. Earphone, one earphone. One earphone, one earphone. Because yeah, it was mono, yeah. So, and, and where we lived, we had a tree in the front yard, trees in the backyard. Right, right. And I strung up my antenna from the tree in the front yard to the tree in the backyard. So I had a big, long antenna so I could broadcast pretty far. I was doing pretty good. I was really happy with it. And then I went back and I noticed I saw telephone poles. I said, oh, no, you there's wires all the way up there on those telephone poles. How do I get my antenna to those wires? Hmm, I just followed it back down. Oh, it comes into the house. Those are telephone wires. Okay. I can take my antenna clips and clip it to the mouthpiece of the phone and use the entire city as my antenna. Did that work for it you? It worked fantastic. Are you serious? I swear to God, it was just. But you didn't get electrocuted? That's no, no, the no, no. <laughs> no, there was no, there's no, there's no like. No electricity going yeah, through. Okay. Yeah. So. Right. No. It was in a way, but that's scary. So you connected that. I connected. And it, it worked. And it worked. And. I, my dad said, uh, let's go for a ride. And I said, Dad, I want to listen to my radio station. You've got to hear this. And uh, so we get in the car and we start driving down the st street. He says, wow, that's a pretty good signal. I said, yeah, we continue driving. How were you listening to what you had it pre-recorded, what you were playing? What do you mean you could listen to your radio station? We, the car, we were listening in the car using the car radio. Who was who's on your radio station? It was, was my, wire, my wire recorder. My it was just, you had a pre-recorded pre recorded show, yeah. And that was playing and we're driving down the street and it was um, uh, Day Tripper. That was a Day song, to, yeah, Day Tripper by the Beatles. And I thought that sounded so cool coming out of my own little radio station into my dad's car radio. Wow. So that was... So how old were you then? I was 14. 14, 14 years old? Yeah, 14. So where did that take you from there? From there. Well, then I got um, uh, to high school around that time and I became the uh, school reporter. So I would report, go to uh, the professional radio station in the town, which was called WMOH, and I would go there, I think it was every Monday night, and I would do a report about what was happening at school, you know, who, who was the princess, who was the prince, who was running, who was jumping, what the score was of the basketball, all the school news, you know. And I'd sit down in front of a microphone and there would be a DJ on, in the uh, control room mm -hmm. and he'd be giving me cues about uh, when I should talk and when I should introduce the next song. And I was supposed to have like the most popular songs from the school, right? <laughs> and yeah, that was the start. And Where'd you get the songs from? Oh, well, he had he had the songs in the studio, okay. Okay. so we, you I know mean. it was kind of 
pre-arranged. So okay. I was not spinning the records at I that see, time. Okay. Right. But then, <clears throat> one time, we were doing these shows live, right? One time, the DJ in the studio got sick, and he couldn't do it. I, he rushed off to the bathroom, and it was like, I have to step up to the show. I have to do it. So I did it. And the next thing I knew, the manager of the radio station said, uh, that was pretty good. How would you like to do a shift on Sundays? Sundays? Oh, okay. What time? 6 a.m. to noon. Oh, 6 a.m. to noon on a Sunday? You know, I told you I'm not a morning person. Lance wanted me to come here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Folks, you, those of you who know me, 7.30. <laughs> Those of you who know me, I, I barely get to sleep at 7.30 a.m. But, uh, yeah, so 6 a.m. And in that part of Ohio, uh, Hamilton, Ohio, the morning shows on Sundays were all religious shows. So it would be, you know, 30 minutes of this religion, 30 minutes of that religion, 30 minutes of the... And some of the religions would be on tape, some would be on record, some... The guy would call in on the phone and read from the Bible like that, right? So that was my introduction. And then once an hour... You did religion? Oh, no, I didn't do religion. Okay, I just changed the tapes okay. and the records, okay, you know. Right, right. I, I was a navigator. Okay, okay, it was not a... Okay, it, so it you was, didn't speak or say anything? I did. I got did. to... Oh, yeah, man. I got to say, at the top of the hour, every hour, I had to say the name of the radio station, okay. right? The name of the radio station right. in the city. So it would be, <clears throat> this is, this is WMOH in Hamilton, Ohio. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. But, yeah. That's beautiful. So then from there, you go into college. Yeah. What happened in college? Um, besides took, being drafted. Yeah, besides being drafted, I, uh, I took as many broadcasting courses that's as what I you, could. You knew you were going yeah. to be a broadcaster. I, I knew that that's the direction I wanted to go. And I, I joined the uh, broadcasting club at Miami University of Ohio, mm -hmm. and uh, they made me president right away. So I was like, wow, I'm, I'm the president of the club? And the only reason was because I had experience doing radio in a nearby, two nearby radios. I was working at two stations at the same time, one in Hamilton, one in Oxford. So after I finished my show in Hamilton, I'd drive like a bullet to Oxford, Ohio, where I would do an evening show. But these are both paying jobs. Oh, paying jobs, yeah. Okay. Oh, paying. Well, that, let, let, let me put that into perspective. Okay. $1.25 an hour. But at that time, that was, wasn't that, that minimum wage? Yeah, that was minimum wage. Minimum wage, wage right. Yeah, minimum wage. Bad, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For so doing something you love to do. I, and I, but you covered your gas costs. It did cover the gas cost. <laughs> Didn't cover the tickets that I got for speeding, though. I sure did, yeah. I was flying, I man, I back and you forth. Did. That was a lot of fun, but it was crazy. It was just crazy. Because on one station, I was doing like a top 40 show, mm -hmm. you know, playing all of the hits of the day. And at the college, at the station in Oxford, a college town, uh, I was playing psychedelic music. So I was playing like uh, Jimi Hendrix and, right. and uh, the Doors, the Doors, yeah, right, right, all, right, all right. of those groups, all the Blues groups. Project, right, 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 right. yeah, and uh, P Funk, P Funk, P Funk, oh, oh yeah, oh. hey, Bootsy was in there, yeah, they were. Bootsy's from Cincinnati. That was, that was in the '60s, yeah. yeah. You're talking '60s now, yeah. 
Bootsy's from Cincinnati. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I had a chance to meet with him when he came here yeah. to Japan. Uh -huh. Oh, he is a sweet, sweet That's man. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. You know, because this new group with um, what's his name? That did. He's Filipino. Bruno Mars. Bruno, yeah. And the other guy he's with, their group. Anderson Silk Pack. Sonic? Anderson Silk Park. Sonic. Yeah. Silk Sonic? Bootsy's the one that called it Silk Sonic. That's right. And it, they got, I know that. I know yeah, that. yeah, that's and right. And they said they took it because he was the one that basically gave them the name. Yabba dabba doo, yeah, brother. <laughs> Bootsy Collins with you, baby. There you go. There oh. you go. He is so sweet. He came here to Japan, and you know, there was security to. When, after the concert, people wanted to meet him and they would go in kind of quick and security would pull him out and I was wondering why there was so much security. And I realized after we got in there and we started talking, he was together with his wife, and we started talking about Cincinnati chili, which is something that, you know, once you've tasted, uh, it's, it's like a drug. You've okay. just got to have more. And we got into a conversation like that and, uh, you know, the... Um, Security guy is kind of looking in and Bootsy said, it's okay. It's okay. He was so sweet. We wound up staying backstage We were the last people to uh, have an opportunity to talk with him, but he was such a sweet guy I've always found that the bigger they are the sweeter they are the nicer I they are the same thing. You know, That's so true. it's really so true. That's so true. Am I being so nice to you now? You're always nice. <laughs> you're always nice. Tell me this. So Vietnam, did you ever go? What did you do in, in the service? What was your job in the military? A broadcaster. Yeah. I did a good morning Seoul in Seoul, Korea. So after boot camp... You never went to Nam. Never went to Nam. Oh, you're lucky like me. You didn't go to Nam. You were in the Air Force. Force. I came here, yes. So like, like Dan Smith, our friend Dan, right? But I think he went once or twice. Did he? He didn't really have to do any fighting, but he said he, he spent time going there for some reason. On the final day of boot camp, they were, you know, the drill sergeant had the paper with everybody's name on it. He said, you're all going to Vietnam. You're all going to be going to Vietnam, except for that one, I can't, I was, oh, that right, one right, P-boy right, in the right, back. Right. <laughs> you going, you going to Korea? You're going to be 71 R20? 71 R20. That's, that's a broadcast specialist. What kind of job is that? <laughs> So everybody went to Vietnam. Except for you. Except for me. I was, I'm a trained killer. Lance, right, right. be careful. <laughs> be, be careful. I'm a trained killer. Right. Right. I learned how to throw hand grenades <laughs> and, you know, do the... So you never had to go, and you stayed in Korea for how many years? I, um, three and a half, three and a half years. I re-upped. I decided to re-up while I was in Korea. I mean, I had a great job. I had a fantastic... I was doing television news at night you know, in short pants, tucking my hair behind my, my hat or, or greasing it back, you know, because I was trying to wear long hair as much as I could. Right. And I was doing radio shows and I was doing radio shows on Korean stations too. I was invited to go to various Korean stations with DJs and I, I don't know, we'd just talk about anything. With a guy named Lee Jung-hee, Kim Se-hwan, Kim Serena. So some some of your listeners will recognize. Did you did those you learn things. Korean while you were there? Did you speak, I, learn to speak anything? Of it? I can speak a little bit. I can still read Korean. Oh really? Yeah, it's yeah. you know you can learn how to read Korean mm -hmm. in a in a flash. Actually, my Rosetta Stone for Korea learning how to uh, read and write Korean was a Coca Cola bottle. 
Yeah. Sitting in the park, Namsan one day, and there's a Coca-Cola bottle in the trash bin. And I looked at it and I thought, huh, Ko, that, I see how that works. That's Ko, Ka, uh, so I can see the K, k sound. And then I could see the O, La, A, Ko, Ka, Oh, in ko, Korea. So you said it was in Corolla. It was in Korea. It, yeah, w but above Korea. it was English. English, okay. So I could see oh, the correlation of how it worked. So it was a Coca-Cola bottle, and I thought, oh, light started going off. Because prior to that, you know, when you arrive in Asia and you look at the signs, it's like everybody says chicken scratch, right? right. But suddenly, I was reading the signs. Yakuk, oh, that means drugstore, like that. Okay. Kim, I could read the word Kim mm -hmm. really easy. Mm -hmm. And then I, I realized, oh, if I apply myself, I could probably learn how to read this and within 30 minutes, I was, I was reading Korean. And you can do it too, with Kamasami Kong's brand new Learn How to Read Korean. <laughs> you can set that up, we can do that. Well, you wanna do it? We can make some money doing it. We can make some money. So, after that, so you stayed there for three years, you re-opt. Yeah. To stay into, did you get to stay in Korea? Yeah, I got to stay in Korea for two of the years. Um, so that was made five years? That you were well, no, three years altogether. Okay. Because I was supposed to go home... After two years? After nine months. They, were, they said they were going to let me go home after nine months. But between the time I arrived in Korea and about my fourth month in, I received a letter from my dear wife at home. Oh, you were married? I was married, okay. yeah. I was married, and she said... Uh, Sorry to let you know about this, but I fell in love with the neighbor, and it's all over for us. So you didn't have kids? I did. I did. How many kids did she have? I have one kid. One By her? By her, yeah. Okay. And he is doing fantastic. Oh, that's beautiful. He's a surgeon, a laparoscopic pediatric surgeon, working at a hospital in Norfolk, Virginia. He has two kids. I have two grandkids with him. When was the last time you saw him? Oh, just before the pandemic, they all came over. Well, say hello to him. Talk to him. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, Caden, Bob, May, Aloha. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. And I have a I have a daughter also. Oh, you do. Yeah. But by the same. Uh, no, by this a woman I married in Korea. Okay. And she's living in Redding, Redding, um, California. Okay. And her name is Hey Aloha Nani. You have to say hello to her. Aloha. Hi, sweetheart. And, uh, That's beautiful. Yeah. So you have two kids, mm -hmm. a son and a daughter. Yeah. Does your daughter have children? Yes, uh, two, two children. And your son has two children? Yes. Wow. So yeah. I have to say also, aloha hawk, hi hawk, hi halona. So you gave them Hawaiian, you gave her a Hawaiian name? Yes, because she was born in Hawaii. And on the day she was born, uh, we were interviewing um, a Hawaiian entertainer on the radio station. I was at KKUA in Honolulu, the number one station uh, by far. And I had the number one radio program there by far. Uh, it was on every night from seven until midnight. I'll tell you more about that. What year was that? This would have been 1978 through about 82. Okay, and you're out of the service now? I was out of the service, yeah. When did you get out of the service? Got out of the service in 70. 75. So you stayed in for what, how many years? Six, seven? Uh, five years I was five in years. the service, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and 
my dad said, I don't know how you did that, but you came out smelling like a rose. I was reading through Billboard magazine. And back then, Billboard was the magazine that you would use to find jobs. I mean, it was before the internet, right? They had a classified section in the magazine. And I saw this ad that said, how would you like to live and work in the most beautiful place in the world? Honolulu, Hawaii. And I thought, definitely, that's where I want to go. Honolulu, Hawaii. Are you kidding me? Sure. So it said, send tape and resume, right? Tape, you send a tape recording of your last show and you have your resume. And I thought, this ad is going to get a lot of responses. How do I stand out? Got an idea. So I went to a stamp store where they sold all kinds of foreign stamps and other stamps. I, I put American postage on it so it would make it through the mail, but I put all these other stamps on it just to make sure that he would see it first. And I put my tape and resume on the inside. And he opened it right away. He called and he said, uh, I got a place for you. How soon can you be here? I said, uh, well, I probably need about a month to get things going. He said, oh no, I need you next weekend. Okay. So I went home, I told my wife, and I said, we're moving to Hawaii. When? Tonight. <laughs> as quick, as fast as we can. So we started packing up and said goodbye to the waterbed, goodbye to all the furniture and everything. So we're just going. We're going to go to Yeah. And we went and the... The, the interesting thing was uh, the DJ, his name was Lan Roberts, um, insanely popular, especially in the Northeast, moved to Hawaii and then moved to Taiwan. Anyway, he said, uh, how will I recognize you when you come out of the gate? And I said, I'll be with an Asian woman. He said, everybody's with an Asian woman <laughs> in Hawaii, <laughs> in Hawaii right? right? So anyway, that was my introduction. Right. Yeah. So tell me, so when they told what took you from Hawaii? To, did you leave from Hawaii and come to Japan? Is that was it? Uh, <clears throat> or did you go back to mainland again? No, did not. I never went back to the mainland. Never from from Hawaii. You never went never, back. Never went back. So Just to visit my kids or my okay. dad. Right. Mm -hmm. So you you mean since Hawaii you've never been back? What year was that? Uh, that would have been 1976. You haven't been back. I mean to live since 76. Yeah. No, I've lived. I'm, um, I was in Hawaii from 76 right on through, well, I think I sold my place, I sold my home in Hawaii 2000, about 2008 or 2009. And for a while there, Lance, I was traveling, I was doing shows in Tokyo, I was doing shows in Osaka, I was doing shows in Taipei and Honolulu. And for 18 years, I was flying every 10 days to one of those cities. Were you still married then? Uh, barely. Okay, that's kind of, yeah. Yeah, because it was, it was... I can imagine. It was a lot of stress. 18 years flying 747s, Honolulu to Tokyo, Taipei. And of course, when you get off in Tokyo, you mm -hmm. have to change to... I was flying Japan Airlines at that time, and then you'd have to change to JAA Airlines right, to fly right, to Taiwan, right? right? There was the other guy in the USA who was uh, the fly jock. He was the fly jock, but I was the fly jock in Asia. 2000, about 2005, okay. and uh, I arrived on the ground, decided to become a resident of Tokyo because okay. I thought I've had enough flying. I've done more flying than... But you weren't married now. 
Uh, no, I was no longer married. Okay, no longer married. And you decided on your, by yourself yeah. you're going to be a resident. Well, I discussed it with my accountant in okay. Hawaii, and okay. you know, I told her what I want to do and what my plans are, and she said, well, if that's where you want to be, I said, yeah, I, I do. I love Tokyo. I really, really love Tokyo. The infrastructure, I mean, the architecture, the people, everything about Tokyo, the food, the restaurants, the opportunities, everything was here that I wanted, I loved, and I needed the fashion, the sense, the cars, you know. It's all here. Do you still feel that way now? Oh, I definitely do. And I mean, as we watch this, there's this new building going up across from the uh, Russian embassy, sure right? That's right. That, I mean. Three towers. You you see what's happening in this city. It's so it. dynamic, isn't it? And how it's all connected, you know, with the subways and the trains and the monorails and everything. You can get anywhere and do anything without owning a car. People would say to me, "How could you leave Hawaii? I mean, paradise. Hawaii is paradise." Well, it wasn't easy because I still have a lot of friends there, and you know that I love you and I would love to come back, but. With this skin, I developed melanoma. Oh, did you really? Yeah, developed melanoma. So my doctor said, uh, and I, I, I'm cancer-free now. Okay. I've been uh, cured. Or For how long? Since I had it? Yes. Or since, since the you, operation? Since, you you, since operation. It was about 10, oh, 10 okay. years You're ago. Oh, you good. You're 10 good or 15 go. years You're ago. Good to go. yeah, so. But he said, I don't want you to go in the sun anymore. No more beaches, n mm -hmm. none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you have to be careful of your eyes because I developed cataracts too. As a result, you know, we used to go out on the waves every day and we didn't put any sun cream on. Right, oh, right, back right. in those days, yes. you know, you didn't put any hats on or anything like that. You, you, you had to be a man. You needed a tan too. Yeah. Right, you had to get a tan. <laughs> and you, you put the stuff on that would give you the That's extra right, tan, right? That's right. That's right. And, and I was feeling really happy. and. I, felt like I was looking really good, all the hair, the skin tones, everything going right. And, but, it, you know, there's it a cost. cost. There's a cost involved with that. Was it, was it on your face, the melanoma? No, it, it, it developed on my... On the side of yeah, your... On the side of my stomach. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I have no idea how that works. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. But uh, I was diagnosed and I called my son, who is a surgeon. I said, what should I do? And he said, why don't you come here to Norfolk, Virginia. I'll set up the operation and we'll take care of everything here. So he set up, he didn't do the operation. But he set it up. He yeah, made he, sure everything was well, done. His friend, the doctor. And he knew he was working with his father. And yeah. He knew he was going to do a good job. You yeah. got taken care of. So, and my daughter-in-law, his wife, is a general practitioner. She's a doctor too. So they're, yeah. they're doing. They knew who to talk, call, who to have yeah. there. They knew, that's beautiful. And then to recuperate, they st I stayed at their home. I had a doctor oh, in the house and a nurse in the house. Did they, have two their two children? Did they have the two children already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh so you had your grandchildren, yeah. too? That's that was, all you needed to recuperate. Yeah. It, was, it was heavenly, absolutely heavenly. Where are you now in your life? Where am I now? Hmm. Yes. Uh, I'm at a place where I find new opportunities again. I've been offered a new radio job in Hawaii that I can record from here in my home studio in Nishiyazabu. And I'm on, I've been on the phone talking with them, negotiating for the past month. And we want to start up probably in spring. This is unofficial, but uh, you're the first to get this information. I haven't told anybody else yet. Oh. And I can't say the name of the station yet, but okay. I will be able to say soon. Okay. 
What else? Uh, I've been offered uh, AVEX records, you know. Ernie's, Ernie's daughters were working with AVEX for a while. And you know them too, I do, right? I do, yes. And uh, so they've asked me to do a series of record albums where I'm the DJ between various J-pop hits from back in the day, from back in the, you know, when J-pop was so hot in the early 80s, mm -hmm. J-pop was it, Yamashita Tatsuro, Kubota Toshinobu, Anri, uh, Matsutoya Yuma. I did an album with her way back in about 1981 or 82. She was just a, a young little girl who had a great voice. And we did we did an interview first, and then we wound up doing. I'll send you pictures. I have some pictures. Let me see if I can get Henri on. I'm going to contact her. Oh, Henri, I'm coming for you to see get you on this podcast so we can do it. I'd love to have Henri on. And she is a lovely person. Most definitely, she really is. Crystal K too. Crystal K, yeah. you're bringing up all the people I should have on. You know, That's right? Crystal K is another good person. She's a good artist. If if. James Brown were still around, I'd oh, bring yes. him into your program because you we know, became... Is that you became good friends? I mean, he came here a lot yeah, during the end. And we became good friends. He, <laughs> you know, in the radio stations, we have like a template, a piece of paper, and it says, Hi, insert your name, and you're listening to Kamasami Kong on FM 802, right? And you, if you would do it, you'd say, Hi, I'm Lance Lee. You're listening to Kamasami Kong on FM 802. And most of the artists just kind of read it like that. Right. And I gave it to the paper to James, and I said, would, Could you please do this for me? He said, I don't need no, I don't need no paper. I don't need no paper. I do it. I do it my own way. I'll show you how to do this. <clears throat> Hi, this is James Brown. And you're listening to Kamasami Kong. Kamasami. Hit the button, and you got to get something. Hit it, Kong. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Ow! <laughs> and it was like, yes, that's the way to do an ID. So after that, every time an artist came to the studio and I would give them that template, I would say, uh, and I had the button. I had James right there on the button. And they would say, how do you want this done? I said, well... Let me show you how this guy did it. And I'd play that, I'd play that sound bite, and we were like, oh, yeah, okay, now I see, got it, okay. I said, well, step up to that. And I got some of the best IDs. I wish you would have, yeah. James Ingram, who, James Ingram. Voice, he would have voiced some. Yes. You remember that song called Yamo Be There? Yamo Be There. And yes. at the ending of that song, how he was hitting all those high right. notes. Yes, yes, I mean, yes. like whistling, yes. right? Yes, yes. When he did his ID, he said, I want you to play this right after you play that song. I'm going to hit those notes for you. And he uh, did it in the hallway. We recorded uh, it. And I put that on Tokyo FM. I was working at Tokyo FM at the time. Those are memories, aren't they? Oh, man. So many, Lance. I know, I can imagine. See, so that's why you're, you're going to be on, you have to promise we'll do this again. Oh, but whatever, whatever you like, you know. <laughs> that's you, all I need. That's what, what I need. I just live down the street. That's, that's all I need to hear. You know, absolutely. How would you like to end this podcast? Uh, by saying thank you very much for the opportunity to having been your guest on this exciting new podcast that you've created. And uh, I look forward to returning again. Mm -hmm. And to all of you who are watching, thank you very much for watching. And I hope you'll watch Lance every time. Because Lance is the man. The man with the plan. Got the counterfeit dollar in his hand. <laughs>
Lance Lee, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Truly, thank, thank you, thank you so much. Kamasami Khan. And you got to say it with right. Kamasami Khan. Yes. All of you watching this podcast, make sure you remember it's all on loan. Continue to reach for the stars. And you're too blessed to be stressed. Get out of here, pop, 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 p